Are you ready? Hello and happy 2023 and welcome back to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Uh, normally, you know, I get all super excited and stoked to do these episodes and uh, I'm trying to do that today as well, but uh, last night there was some pretty sad and scary stuff that happened uh, in Cincinnati um, I get it, you know, it's the NFL, it's not the CFL, it's not Canadian, but you know what, it's football. Um, and last night, a really scary thing happened in the Monday Nighter, um, something that you never expect to see, something that you never want to see, never hope to see, um, you know, not that you ever wish an injury or an incident on any player, but for something like that to happen... Um, it's just really scary and uh, you know the around the CFL podcast wants to wish Demar Hamlin's family you know our best wishes our prayers um, I was listening to Kyle Brandt's basement I love Kyle Brandt he is you know one of those heroes of mine when it comes to podcasting and whatnot I just I can't say enough about Kyle Brandt and, you know, I was listening to his show, Kyle Brandt's Basement. It's it's just one of those things. It's He said it best. Um, you know, watching the game, pass over the middle, the tackle, and then all of a sudden, you know, Hamlin stands up and then just drops. If you didn't watch the game last night, it was something scary. You know, when they announce that someone's getting CPR done on them in the middle of the field for nine minutes with trainers, medical staff, uh, the ambulance was on the field. The man went into cardiac arrest on the field. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not something that you ever want to talk about or you ever want to see happen, but it did happen. And, you know, Damar Hamlin we send our prayers to you and our best wishes and you know we hope nothing less than a speedy recovery uh not just for football to get back on the field but we're saying as a human being get better feel better be better and you're healthy because that's what it's all about on the first episode of 2023 we are talking to two-time Grey Cup champion, four-time CFL sack leader, six-time CFL All-Star, and four and a half sacks away from third all-time, my man, Charleston Hughes. Man, thank you very much for joining today. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. That's five-time sack leader, too. Oh, hey. <laughs> okay, Wikipedia's wrong. Five times. <laughs> thank you. So, okay, well, um, we'll just jump right into it. So obviously, you know, the football world has been holding our collective breaths over what happened on Monday night. How does something like that affect you when you're out there week in and week out, putting your body on the line? I mean, it really puts, put things into perspective, man. Cause you, you get a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of people who, you know, watch watch the sport and watch the game and watch players from afar and, and they judge, they're very judgmental. And they say, you know, these guys are paid so much money and, and, all they do is go out there and play football. And you hear a lot of fans who, who say things like that and don't really realize, you know, the the impact that it has on the field and the toll that it takes on your body. I mean, when you're out there, man, it's like car crashes every single play. And you're running into people like you're you're never going into a game or playing or at practice 100%. You're always playing at maybe 70 to about, 90 percent 
health wise. And with that being said, I mean, ultimately when plays like that happen that are really, really critical and serious to your health, where it can be career ending type injuries. Now, you know, all those people who do say that, you know, you guys are going out there and making all this money and you make more. I didn't heard before that you make more than a doctor. How How is that even serious? How is that even possible? And it's like, man, I understand where you're coming from, but you know, doctors are really doctors are saving lives. They're not putting, they're not jeopardizing their lives. They are saving other people's lives. We're going into a sport where we're entertaining people. And at the same time, we're jeopardizing our life. We're jeopardizing our life expectancy. So <laughs> the thing is, is it's a crazy scenario. It's a crazy situation. I mean, it's a, a one in a lifetime type situation that you'll kind of rarely see, but it's the rarely seeing is becoming more common. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it's kind of funny, though, like when you talk about how, you know, you get paid more than doctors. This is Canadian football. This isn't even NFL, right? So, I mean, NFL, that comment, you know, it's, it's still irrelevant either way. But Canadian football, I mean, you guys are putting your bodies and lives on the line for significantly less than, you know, what a mid-tier NFL player makes, right? Yeah, man. I mean, we, we say it in CFL locker rooms, too. Like, man. How crazy is it that we play the same sport and these guys are paid millions and we're paid thousands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we put, and we play a longer season. So we, we, we do a lot more, you know, damage to each other's body <laughs> for a lot less money and, and long-term, you know, benefits. Exactly. Well, of course, I mean, we all wish Damar Hamlin a really speedy recovery. And like I said, you know, it's we just we wish him the best of luck and health and not just for the coming back to the game, but as a human being. Um, yeah, I, d- I doubt if he ever come back to the game, though. That's the crazy part. But I did read an article that said he's he's awake now. So, yeah, like I said, we just, you know, we just, as a human being, we wish him like health and, you know, getting back to somewhat normalcy. So, okay, I mentioned uh, in the intro, four and a half sacks away from third all time. But let's go back to the origin story. How did it all happen with you breaking into the CFL? You know, I nearly never really understood, you know, CFL football, because especially being from being American and being from the States, all you know is NFL and that's it. But the thing is, is, you know, as a younger player going coming from a smaller school, you know, I had to take a different pathway to try to obtain my goal and, and play professional football. So the thing is, is that I, I went to camp with uh, with the Detroit Lions, um, ended up not making a team in training camp there, um, having a couple other tryouts and nothing real serious. And I went to a little, man, a lot of different tryouts with a lot of different teams when nobody would, everybody would tell me I'm too small. I'm not not fast enough, not not strong enough. Um, I'm I'm undersized for my position, like all kind of crazy stuff. Which, which is funny because nowadays I am the right size for the position. But <laughs> but the thing is, is that you know back in those days they like big linebackers, six five, six four plus, two hundred sixty five pound linebackers, Levar Harrington, Jeremiah Trotter type linebacker, AJ Hawk. You know, those guys can't even touch the field right now because they're pr- practically D-tackles at that point. But the thing is, is how I got into the CFL, um, it was basically through 
managing my own career, really. You know, I started my career off, you know, with an agent. I didn't feel like the agent was doing what I thought was right. Um, so I kind of fired my agent and took matters into my own hands because I was going to school to be a sports agent. Um, so I took matters into my own hands and, you know, developed a list of teams I wanted to play for and, you know, potential routes I could take to make it to the NFL. And the CFL was one of those potential teams. Um, at the time, I was playing for in our indoor football league um, as a defensive end. You know, never really played defensive line before that. I was always like a strong safety linebacker type guy. So the thing is, is that I ended up meeting a guy named John Murphy, and he ended up giving me an opportunity and hit me with an ultimatum of a lifetime and told me, hey, you come to this team and make this team, and, you know, we'll make it happen for you. And he, he held his promise and held his end of the bargain. And, you know, I l never looked back after that. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you mentioned, you know, education, that you were going to school to be a sports agent. How important is it um, in any league? It doesn't matter, like, what league, what country, whatever. How important is education to a football player? You know, it's one of those things that's overlooked, really, because a lot of those guys, they go to school strictly for football do what they can to maintain grades to stay eligible and then end up not graduating and going back later on after football, after retirement, or if things don't work out for football and then end up, you know, taking classes and graduating and getting your degree after the fact. But the thing is, is that, man, football is only a stepping stone for me. And that's how I always viewed it. So I always looked at it. I never looked at it as a career, a job. I never looked at it as something that was extremely long-term for me. Although I played 14 years, I still never, you know, 100% relied on football to be, you know, my ticket. So the only thing I ever done was, you know, rely on education, continue to, you know, build my business portfolio at the same time while I'm playing football. And when my time does come and it's all said and done and I'm done playing football, it's an easy transition for me. So education is one of those things where if if it's there and and the league is willing to pay for it, or if it's there, you need to finish school. You need to do it exactly. while you're while you're playing. Yeah, you know, it's I always uh, look at all the you know the players in college, you know, and then they they declare for draft. Man. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, because especially at that at that rate, if you're like a player that's pretty much projected to go. I would say top 20, top 25. I would just say first round. If you're projected to go first round, most likely those guys are going to leave and and declare for the NFL, which it's a, it's a lot of money that you're putting on the line that you're going to turn away from to maintain and stay in school and potentially uh, jeopardize your health. So you can go back in the next year and try to go for your degree, but you're still going to be playing football. You're still going to be putting years on your body. You still, you might get injured, so you got to try to stay healthy and try to perform at a high level, which is a very difficult thing to do. You're going to lack in one position or the other. So when they do declare, I mean, if you're a first-round guy, heck, yeah, go after the money. I wouldn't tell nobody not to do that. <laughs> but <laughs> go, go after the money, man. Support your family. Take care of your family. But I would tell a guy, hey, while you're doing it, take online classes and finish school. Like, you're going to have time on your hands to perform on the field, do football, 
and you're going to have enough time to finish school. Um, so we saw Dalton Schoen this year, um, you know, rookie of the year, went to the Grey Cup. For you, you went to the Grey Cup in your first year as well. What was it like for you in that rookie season, a Grey Cup week leading up to the game? Uh, it was it was wild, man, because I never won a championship before. So that was like I've tied for a championship in university, but never individually won a championship before until my first year professionally. And it was an amazing feeling. I mean, I enjoyed the festivities. I mean, my my approach is a lot different from other people's approach because you got to do what's what's best for you and work work what works best for me. And what works best for me is you know enjoying my time while I'm playing football. And and the thing is, is that we're there on a business trip. We're there to win a championship. So the thing is, is to win that championship, you got to have your focus in the right place, and your focus is football. But you know, on your leisure time, you should enjoy the the festivities of a championship and being there and you know all the festivals and and things of that nature especially when you got family coming in town that are visiting you to see you play in this championship game so it's an awesome experience man and I I was in Montreal at the time so it was my first time being in Montreal really well not my first time but first time experiencing you know the city of Montreal and seeing that you know the city does speak French and you're not it's it's no joke in the things that you see on you always hear about and read about now you're seeing them firsthand and it was it was a pretty awesome experience man i mean i learned a couple french words out of that (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome Uh, good good and bad so yeah so the festivities were awesome you had never won a championship before so winning that gray cup what was that feeling like once the game was over and that Grey Cup was in your hands? I mean, it was like mission accomplished, man. It was like, man, we we came out as a very, very young team, young football team, a bunch of young players. Um, and we were all very, very talented young players at that. So it wasn't like we we're just rode out with a bunch of guys who were first year players who just didn't deserve to be on the field. We rode out to every single into the season with a bunch of young players who gelled together very well, who played football together very well. I mean, some of those guys from my team, you know, I talk to on an everyday basis still to this day. So, and that was 14 years ago. So the thing is, is that the memories that we generated at that time were so special that it'll last a lifetime for us. So you did, uh, 10 seasons, two Grey Cups. What was it like playing for the Stampeders and living in the city of Calgary? Um, I love living in the city of Calgary, man. The, the city, you know, embraced me like no other, you know, at the height of my career. And, you know, I feel like I'm still at the height of my career, really. But at the the height of my career, when we were going on our, I guess, legacy type run for the Calgary Stampeders, I mean, we were great, man, and the city was fun to be in. The city was very impacted by, you know, the football team. And, you know, it even got so impacted that the Calgary Flames bought the team. So <laughs> so it was one of those situations, like, we created something with that team that, you know, is really unheard of over the years and turned it into, a, you know, a, a, a full-on franchise that, you know, fans loved and fans backed. And the thing is that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the city. I I love the city. I still visit the city, you know, from time to time. It was my first experience to the mountains and Banff. And my first 
you know, time in another country away from home, really, and then ended up calling that place home after a while. So the thing is that I love I love the city of Calgary. The city of Calgary embraced me. I mean, I've built a, a legacy there and continue to, you know, build upon that legacy now. You go to games in Calgary and you still see your red jerseys on fans all over the stadium. Even today, you still see them. Yeah, you did. You definitely left an impact on the franchise for sure. After that, it was off to Saskatchewan and you were jo- you joined the Rough Riders. What was it like going from a team where, you know, you built that legacy and you had you made all those friends and you you helped build that franchise to what it is really now going into a whole new situation with a whole new city? It definitely ain't easy, man, because you always I went into that situation thinking that I was going to be with that one team forever. I was going to begin my career there end my career at Calgary Stampeder and sail off into the sunset. And it was a, a happily ever after story. But <laughs> the thing is, is football is a business and it never works out the way you plan it. So the thing is, is when I ended up having a chance to leave and play for another team, you know, I was, I was pretty excited because I never, I never got a chance to see outside of another team. I was always with Calgary for all, so many years that, you know, I didn't even know the feeling of putting on another jersey. But when I did get the opportunity to put on another jersey, it and it was Saskatchewan, it was one of those situations like I kind of always had a thing for the fans of Saskatchewan anyways because the fans are so dedicated to the team. You know, the stadium is always so packed. The fans are always so loud. Every time I played there, you know, from the outside looking in and then putting on the jersey and now those same fans are screaming for me. I mean, it's awesome. They're crazy. I haven't been to a game in Saskatchewan yet, but I've been to games in other cities against Saskatchewan, and those fans are loyal. They travel. No matter what jersey you put on, you, you're dominant on the field. You had one of your best seasons in 2019 as a rider. Yeah, I mean, just because I'm more of a fan-driven kind of player anyways. So I, I like when the crowd is into the game, and I like when you know, fans are making signs, you know, that that are, you know, pretty unique and, and cheering on Charleston all the way. Like I get I get motivated by stuff like that. So the thing is, is that when I when I first came to Saskatchewan and the fans embraced me so much, you know, it kind of motivated me to perform better because now I got to hold up to the bargain. I got to I got to do my half. <laughs> So after that, like really great season in 2019, obviously, you know, the pandemic hit. You mentioned earlier about how, you know, football is a stepping stone. So what was it like going through that canceled COVID season? Uh, it was tough, man. It was it was definitely probably the, the most devastating and impactful part of my entire career just because I'm I'm on the back end of my career and everybody knows that when it, when it comes, when it comes down to it, I don't have, a, and I want to break the sack record. <laughs> so that's the thing. I don't have a lot of time to waste. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so when, when, when COVID kicked in, it don't matter if I don't have a lot of time to waste it, it, it wasted time for me. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So when it, when it came down to that, man, it was one of those situations where, man, I just missed the whole season for no reason. And, if I wanted to break this sack record and, you know, climb the ladder of one of the greatest pass rushers of all time, 
none of those guys back in the day had to deal with no crazy stuff like that. No, no. <laughs> I mean, for instance, they got half sacks back in the day. I don't. If I got half sacks now, that record would have been broken a long time ago. Yeah, man. So it's just, it was a crazy situation, man. I mean, you had to make the best out of it. It really put you back into a situation where, all right, I've always prepared mentally for, you know, life after football and continuously build on my business portfolio, my my resume. And, you know, I've always worked and, you know, applied myself in different, you know, fields to figure out what I like outside of football. And the thing is, is COVID sat me down and put me in a mind state where now I can really think and put some of this stuff I've been thinking about to use. I can start generating ideas. I can. I started taking classes. I went and got certified in project management. I started doing things that, you know, I felt like I needed to do to, you know, continue continue to benefit me, you know, and not just be so hung up on not having a football season when football always ain't guaranteed anyways, right? So it, it put it hit a reset button for everybody to let you know that you probably need to get your your stuff together or your excuse my language your shit together because yeah, yeah. it all it ain't guaranteed <laughs> so so covid lets you know that you know every year ain't guaranteed you got to take advantage of every opportunity you get you know to better yourself as a human being to you know improve upon your skills outside of football you know and then again it circled back to that education piece like you said earlier right you were able to go back and you you know it I think it made a lot of players realize that, you know, the importance of also education and like, okay, well, what else besides football? And then you were off to Toronto. What was it like heading out to Toronto and playing for an East division team for the first time? Uh, definitely another one, of, definitely another impactful moment. I mean, it was another chance for me to go play East and, and kind of be closer to home. Um, yeah. Playing for Toronto, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, the most pleasant, opportunity that I had you know playing for a team like that like I wasn't the, the the happiest guy there but as far as the players go the team goes you know uh I enjoyed the players I enjoyed my teammates you know I enjoyed the situation that I was that I was put into um to a certain extent it just the, the, just didn't work out really when I was there wasn't a a gel wasn't a perfect match like one of those things that you gotta kind of I never really weighed the options of is I thought I was so sweet of a football player that I can play for any defensive coordinator. Don't matter who he is, just line me up in proper and just line me up and play me and I'll get the job done, which now I kind of got impacted by that where I played (laughs) for somebody who really didn't know what to do with me, really didn't know how to use me, really didn't let me be me. So it was one of those situations where now it's it just wasn't a good match, wasn't a good fit, and I didn't really, I didn't really see that. I really didn't care about it. Really, I just was after one thing and one thing only. How important is that um, for a coach to let a player like let me be me? Where is that sweet spot? I guess where the coach wants a certain design, but you got to let the player do what they do that they you know like you were brought in originally to do something so how important is is that kind of happy medium i guess you know it it is some happy medium in there but i think you know the signs of a great coach is is although you have your scheme 
and you have exactly what you want to do in your vision, what it really boils down to is you have to have the players to do that. You have to have the players that fit your scheme to do that. And if you don't have the players to fit your scheme to do that, who has to make an adjustment, you or the player? Yeah. <laughs> so the signs of a great coach is being able to adjust with the players that I have to put them in the best position possible to win games. And that's point blank, period. And I just seen a, a clip recently um, of, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie with the Nets. Mm-hmm. Coach is drawing up a last last second play. Who's going to win the game at the end? Coach draw up the play for Kevin Durant to take the shot. Kevin Durant take tell the coach on the spot. I love the play, but I want Kyrie to take the shot. Kyrie take the shot. Kyrie jumped up out of his seat. Yeah, I do it. I can do it. I can get it done. Boom! Go out there, win the game. Last minute shot. Now, now you telling me a coach in that position in that scenario. When your star player tells you that I would rather have this guy take the shot and you agree and say, okay, you take the shot there. That is a sign of a great coach to me because he relied on his players to go out and execute a plan based on how they feel. And also the sign of a great teammate, great leader too, saying, you know what? Now I want you to do it. That's, that's amazing. So, you know, Toronto, you weren't the happiest guy. It wasn't the perfect fit. Then May of 2022, back to Saskatchewan. First of all, how did it happen to kind of get back to Saskatchewan? And then last season, how was it? What was it like? Um, Getting back to Saskatchewan was great, man. You know, it was originally where I wanted to be anyways. It was re- originally, I mean, I would, I would say if COVID didn't kick in, I would have never left. So it was one of those situations where like, yeah, it was a, a very impactful scenario that happened that, that just pushed me in a situation where I had to go somewhere else. And it's no, no, no bad blood to me, no bad blood against the riders in that situation. And you could tell because I ended up going back. So I'm, I'm actually happy that they brought me back. And the thing is, is that I came back, you know, with a, with a plan in mind to, you know, still do what I do best. And I felt like I did that when I was given the opportunity to. Yeah, I was texting you actually during training camp. I remember that. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're like, off to Saskatchewan. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome to see. I was so happy to see that. So, you know, season's over during the offseason. Where is home for you? And what is your offseason routine to, to keep yourself ready to go? Um. Yeah, right now my home is Michigan for me. Um, so I'm enjoying being back home, enjoying seeing my kids, family time, all that good stuff. Uh, enjoying the holidays. Um, really, I just stay active, man. Like I, I train my daughter in soccer and track and field. So while I train her, I actually do the actual workouts with her. So I'm running 600s, 400s, 200s, 150s, 60s. Like I'm flying 40s. I'm doing all kind of track style workouts with her and she always look at me every day and like oh man you're you're gonna be you're gonna be 40 this year and I'm just like yeah but I don't feel like it I feel great I've never had a major injury before um coming off of the season that I just came off of and and did what I did on the field and you can hear it from other players saying like man you you still you still got it and I don't know how you're doing it for some reason and I could just you give kudos, and I tell guys all the time, it's, it's basically my offseason, man. 
when I'm in my off season, I'm training hard. Like I'm pushing myself to limits. I'm doing things to keep, keep my body, you know, as flexible, as durable. And I function like a machine really. So the only way to keep that machine functioning, you know, when it got high miles is to always change the oil, you know, always yep. get tune ups, <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep your, keep your brakes and your rotors fresh. Like, yeah, like you got to lubricate the brakes and the doors and you got to you got to do things to maintain that car. And <laughs> if my body is my car, the things that I have to do to maintain that and to keep myself at peak performance at all times, I have to do it. So you alluded a couple seconds ago about, you know, your coaching and training your daughter. There's a lot of really good back and forth between you and Derek Dennis on Twitter. Most notably a while back, he tweeted about coaching after his playing days. And then you jumped in there as well. And you guys were having a good back and forth. Is that a direction that you thought about coaching football specifically after after you're done? Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's inevitable that I can I can coach in this league like. I can coach in any league, really. Like, I, I know I possess the skills to be a great defensive coordinator, a great position coach, even a great head coach at some point in time. Just based on what I know, my knowledge of the game, my relationship with players, um, being able to get the best out of players, which I do as a player. And I've been a player coach for the last six years. So in my eyes, I've already been a position coach. I'm a position coach right now. <laughs> I mean, I could step into a defensive coordinator role straight from playing on the field and completely dominate the league. And I know that hands down. And the thing is, is that when you're so knowledgeable about the game from the back end all the way to the front, then you understand, you know, scenario. You understand situational football. You understand when you put a rookie out there and they only they're running 100 miles an hour and really don't understand which direction to go or when you put a veteran player out there who actually understands the game and understands you know where to be how to do it how to get the job done you know the plays become effortless really <laughs> in, in, a, in a sense and you just know exactly how to make plays so the thing is, is that I'm in a situation where yes I can coach I've been coaching, I've been training guys, I've been, you know, developing young D linemen and linebackers and, you know, putting secondary in positions. I mean, there isn't a guy on Saskatchewan's team from last year that you can't talk to that didn't say I didn't impact at impact them at their position. And there isn't a football player in the league that would, really say that they have that kind of impact in the game we're going into the new season it's 2023 what's next um right now i'm just you know in in the negotiation stage uh pending free agent so hoping i can play one more season my 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 goal is to play one more season and really i'm really gonna decide to hang them up after that once i get one more this last season in I'm going to get what I can get on the field. I'm going to produce what I can produce. I'm going to try to rack up maybe 10-plus sacks. I'm going to say 15-plus sacks because I've been training for 15. So I'm going to rack up 15-plus sacks and then hang them up after that. Man, I think I've done enough where I'm satisfied. And I, my goal was to play till you know, I make it to a certain level and make it to a, you know, a certain stage where I want it to be at. And 
I feel like one more season will put me at that stage and I'm good. So off the field, I mean, you and I have chatted a couple times about a lot of the really great work that you do off the field. Um, but yeah, so what are some of the things that you're involved in? Um, I get involved in a lot, man. I do a lot of work for um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I do a lot of work for the YWCA. You know, I help a lot of kids, you know, in developing their, you know, football, um, their football journey as, as you know, they go through their you know, Pop Warner football and high school and preparing for college and university. So I, I help a lot of kids develop themselves, you know, as as they as they go along, you know, through life. I mentor kids. Um, I'm actually starting a indigenous football team with the CJFL. You know, I'm still building on on that and raising funds to kind of get that team up and going for 2024. So the thing is, is that everything's moving in the right direction. Um, I continue to do whatever I can for anyone out there, whether it's women, whether it's homeless, whether it's, you know, it don't really matter. Like I don't even really single out, you know, something specific that I actually do. You know, I kind of just see something that has a gap and then try to fulfill that gap and fulfill that need and, you know, try to help out wherever I can. And like I said, I use football as a platform, man, as a, as a stepping stone. And I feel like if I don't do something impactful to somebody else, then I didn't get as much fulfillment out of the game as I, as I should have. You said that this could potentially be the last year. So when you break the sack record, when you are all finished up, and then when you're getting that team off the ground, I want you to come back so we can promote the crap out of it. <laughs> i'm definitely i'm definitely in for that oh okay last thing and then i'm gonna let you go i have uh this avid follower he bleeds green his name is tyson craney uh saskatchewan like i said he he loves the show uh can you give tyson craney a quick shout out tyson craney <laughs> thank you for bleeding green man thank you for being a fan you know i appreciate the fans you know at every single game you know whether it's on the road or at home um usually when i'm running out the, the stadium out onto the field and i'm pointing to the crowd hopefully you're one of those people i'm pointing to and thanks appreciate you it was a pleasure chatting with you my man thank you very much for coming in this morning and joining me on the show and i look forward to watching you this year Thanks. Appreciate it. That was our chat with Charleston Hughes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Next week, we will be back with another episode, and we're going to look at the top free agents going into free agent frenzy. Until then, find us on Instagram at Around the CFL Podcast, and you can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And if you're really enjoying the show, please feel free to go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Well, that is all, and we'll see you later.